Welcome to We Are Consulting Spotlight Interview. Today's episode with Amar Sani is brought to you by Dealer Allies. Dealer Allies was founded by Amar Sani, who is a lifelong dealer ally and digital marketing consultant. Dealer Allies provides digital consulting and training for all staff in the dealership. Each custom program puts a dealership on a plan that allows them to conquer their digital marketing from their website to digital advertising on Google, Facebook, and Marketplace, facilitating the creation of dealer USPs, as well as the who, what, where, why, and how of all dealers' digital marketing efforts. For more information, please visit www.dealerallies.com forward slash WAC. That's www.dealerallies.com forward slash W-A-C. All right, so today we are talking about digital advertising and in particular automotive digital advertising. And so with that, I'd like to not only thank, but introduce Amar Sani for being on the podcast. It's our, I'll put it uh, number one with an asterisk. So again, Amar, thank you very much for being on the, on the podcast with me. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's all good. It's funny. Uh, we met, I guess it was uh, January, February, February, March of 2017. I was just starting at a, a local dealership. And uh, I'm not afraid to say it. I got a bromance with Amar. I think we got along quite well and talked a lot of stuff. And <laughs> I think we both had a mutual understanding that we were like, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to happen. And yes, like, I'm glad you think the same way. So it's nice to meet someone uh, that, that thinks the same. So we're, we're talking about automotive digital advertising, uh, the landscape. Uh, and, you know, big question. Why is it important to a dealer to understand the digital advertising landscape? Well, well, first of all, Brandon, thanks for having me. And I'm going to add you to that romance list because you're not the first person today to actually say that. <laughs> and I just want to let you know that. But, okay, awesome. But, but, but why is it so important? And I think, you know, the, the digital advertising landscape is obviously so important because that's where the attention is. Um, and, it, you know, whether it's uh, attention from the industry or attention from what, uh, you know, dealers and their peer groups and their dealer 20 meetings, uh, are, are constantly telling them uh, or something that they obviously know uh, themselves based on the amount of people that are visiting their website, uh, whether it's organically or through advertising every month, digital advertising is where all the attention is. And uh, it's really, it, you know, if you look at data, um, you know, it's, it's how people shop, it's how people interact uh, with businesses, with their friends. Uh, social media has obviously, you know, heavily influenced uh, you know, the way people interact with one another. And of course, business wouldn't be any different when someone's shopping for a vehicle. Uh, you know, they're going to use those same tools, you know, that they're used to using their cell phone is, is in their pocket. And it's their it's their main form of communication. Uh, so it's huge for good reason. Right. And so, you know, my one of my other questions is always going to be something like, you know, what does it cover as far as the digital? And that's, it's basically everything, right? It's social media, it's website, it's, you know, it could even be podcast, anything digital, um, that, you know, the landscape is what is it, it's encompassing, right? So uh, as far as automotive, uh, they've got to be everywhere. Now, how, how long have you been in this industry for, as far as the, the, well, the digital side? So I've, I've been in the business for about six years now. Um, you know, I started out with a company called Leadbox. Uh, primarily focused on websites, really websites and inventory management, which was the, the solution that went with the dealer's website uh, so that they had controls over their inventory and their pricing, et cetera, online. Um, and it really evolved into digital advertising as well. 
uh, and you know most of the attention you know even on our side of the business uh, in my past life went you know straight towards digital advertising and as the the medium grew uh, and as Google got more important of course our agency became a Google premier partner and one of the fastest growing uh, digital agencies and automotive in Canada uh, you know that's where the attention really really was okay and what and so in the last six years talk about you know what's changed what you know when you came into the business you know, Facebook, so six years ago, 2012, Facebook, you know, it's, it's half that time. So it's been 12 years ish since Facebook's been around, but you know, what talk about some of the things that have changed and how quickly the industry changes. I, I think it's, I think it's the adoption rate that's changed really. And, and six yeah. years ago, uh, you know, when you looked at dealers, there were some early adopters uh, as far as using the social channels and using Facebook uh, to, you know, even have their own uh, business page on Facebook as a dealership. Um, whereas today it's it's common. Like every, everybody, every business, every dealership is uh, exists on Facebook and has a website, uh, you know, that should be somewhat effective with their actual inventory. But six years ago, even on the website side, you know, there were a lot of dealerships that were using, uh, you know, website platforms that haven't quite evolved, uh, you know, in favor of what a car buyer would be doing when they're close to making a buying decision and they're close to choosing a dealership, which is you know, what they're focused on right now. But, you know, perfect example, Brandon, is, you know, six years ago, there were a lot of dealer websites that didn't even have new car inventory, like actual inventory. The OEM would, would supply build-in price tools uh, that were kind of just mimicking uh, what, uh, you know, their OEM website would have as, you know, a tier one website. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the real dealership website as we know it today uh, didn't really kick in, and you know, until the last few years. So, you know, six years ago, social wasn't, uh, you know, as popular. Uh, and now, as you know, dealers are, are putting uh, all of their attention or a lot of their attention and their efforts into social media, uh, not just from an organic perspective, but from an advertising perspective as well. Yeah, and I think you know, for, you know, being in the industry, being in the industry myself, what I've noticed things like, you know, I'll call it static, like static websites that do nothing versus responsive. And you think of, you know, you've got drones taking videos of dealerships, and that, and that's in the background playing. Um, I just, I think, I think dealerships have come a long way now. Um, I, I've kind of, I've always learned, you know, dealerships need to make their websites like what consumers are experiencing elsewhere. So, Amazon. Uh, Best Buy websites like that. Do you, is that is that true that you know it's the what is it, where is it, how much is it, and how do I get it? That kind of philosophy. C correct. Uh, you, uh, you know, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think you know the Amazon experience is something that everybody references when we're in uh, you know dealership meetings and we're talking about training and how do we make the user experience better on the website. Uh, you know, the first person to bring up Amazon.com is usually the dealer principal. Uh, and, and, and they're usually shopping on Amazon or they're, they're you know, they have their experiences uh, through purchasing whatever it is um, online and they want to mimic that experience using their dealership website. So they get it. Uh, and I think consumers get it as well. Uh, they're looking for more information as opposed to less. And I think, you know, back to the what's changed in the last six years conversation really is, um, you know, the amount of information that should be available and that is available in every other industry, uh, you know, is uh, it's a lot of information that you can get as a consumer while you're shopping for something. The idea is to be able to get as much information on your own as possible. Right. Uh, and now de dealers, dealerships are really starting to seek out platforms 
uh, and start to utilize those tools so that they have uh, enough information for a customer to be able to do their research, uh, you know, get their knowledge up and learn about something and know that that's the right product for them before they even step foot into a dealership or make physical contact with the store. It's funny. It's funny you say that because uh, that's uh, that's the Google training we, uh, when I, I came to the lead box thing. I talked about. Uh, I can't remember the exact percentage. It was over. It was definitely over half of consumers go to a dealer's website to gain enough information to eliminate a visit to get that information. But once they have that information, they're more likely to come in. And so uh, it's funny you say that because my autoresponder, I used to have an autoresponder uh, for all internet leads that said, uh, yes, customer, uh, so-and-so, this is an automated email and it is an automated response. However, it's more what to expect from us. And the line that I used was, we understand you're, you know, you don't want to come in, uh, you're looking to gain information, so we'll do the best we can. That was sort of the gist of it and sort of, you know, you know, just making sure everyone's on the same page. Yes, I understand you don't want to come in and get information. You'd rather be at home at, you know, the safety of your computer to get it. And we were okay with that. So, but it's, right. you know, it's like even, um, uh, speaking of changes, uh, I don't know the, I, I think I know the name, uh, the website there's, there's websites now that will answer emails for you and talk to customers like AI con- converse yeah. with, uh, or something like that. Have you yeah, heard there, I, I, there's a- yeah, I've, I've heard of these platforms and there's a few actually that, that kind of uh, take over uh, and, you know, they, they really want to be part of that uh, process when it comes to, you know, interacting with customers um, and, and why not automate some sort of tools. And I know that even traditionally dealers are used to using, you know, live chat providers, dealership live chat service providers, uh, and they're starting to migrate uh, and build these kinds of AI tools as well so that you know, they, they can literally interact with a shopper uh, without, you know, much intervention and without the old system uh, or a much more evolved system than it used to be, you know, where that that uh, person would uh, or that live chat company would go ahead and warm up a lead and, and generate uh, a response and then send that lead back to the dealership. But the customer on the other end is left with, a, okay, hey, like, you, you know, you're not able to answer my questions, really. Yeah. You're just trying to put me in touch with with uh, with someone at the dealership or having me come in, right? It's like, hey, you're interested in a car. You're looking for info. Let me get someone to call you. It's like, what's the point of the chat? <laughs> like, what's the point of you? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Calling support and support what, what, Let's call you back. Yeah. And all I want, all I want is an answer <laughs> yes. right now. And that's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest connotation. And you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be consistent through our conversations, and it always has been. The last time we we talked, it's that people want their information right away. They want to they don't want to wait. And, and, you know, when we compare automotive uh, to other industries and, and, you know, let's say a good 70 or 80% of of dealerships are using these live chat tools that uh, they operate in that facet. That's the way they work. Right. Um, You know, are, are we really giving consumers the same experience uh, that they would be getting in any other industry, making any other purchase? Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't think it's quite there yet, but it, you know, it's going to be really cool seeing in the next couple of years and, and, you know, right now in the present, uh, you know, companies that are working on AI tools and, and things that can really, uh, you know, be automated, but work intelligently to help consumers during that research phase of purchasing a vehicle and picking a dealer. Yeah. And I, and I'll, you know, I'm stubborn, I'm a tourist, but I always like, you know, 
for me, it's all about a relationship and, and trusting AI. You know, there's great AI out there, which is, I guess it's augmented intelligence or something like that. That's what it stands for. But, you know, that whole AI thing, I think it's great um, at, at a certain point, but, you know, I still like that human touch, that human relationship, but it will come in handy, um, you know, help customers move along the line. And then, you know, maybe for the customer side, they're not actually talking to a salesperson, right? It's just, it's an information uh, gathering tool. Now, speaking of AI, of AI, speaking of old stuff, is there anything you've noticed over the last few years that's kind of moving out and, you know, things like AI that are moving in, like what else do you see coming into play and what do you see going out of, out of play, like down to the minors? So <laughs> Let, let's say if, you know, if we can talk from an advertising perspective, you know, I, I see, uh, I see Google display as a medium uh, that is kind of decreasing uh, and going away in favor of, um, you know, Facebook uh, and, and, you know, Facebook uh, lead ads and other sort of tactics and, and, and technical components that you can do on, on Facebook that are becoming a little bit more prevalent. And, you know, it's part of a, a, a slightly different conversation that I, I don't mean to veer it uh, in that direction. But, you know, I, I do believe, you know, ultimately that dealers uh, will be seeking advertising mediums that get them the most attention at the lowest cost. Uh, and what's happened over the last little while in the, the last few years with uh, with Google advertising, you know, although it's, you know, very strong, especially based on, uh, you know, the vast number of websites, I think Google's display network covers 90% of all websites online uh, and the amount of, uh, of audience data that they collect in order to build a campaign and actually show the right ad to the right person. Uh, there is a lot out there, but what's happened over the last little while is, uh, the costs have kind of gone up and it, it has become a little bit more expensive uh, in, you know, especially with Google search, uh, you know, to advertise on a CPC basis. Um, so dealers now are, are sort of looking for uh, alternatives and, uh, and they're also looking at new mediums. You know, most dealerships are, are starting to get really interested in, in what is next and what's yep. next up and what's yep. hot. Um, and as far as advertising mediums, you know, we've gotten questions from our clients, uh, as far as, uh, you know, it, it, hey, is is Spotify a good place to advertise? And Spotify's, you know, running a few betas with some agencies right now in Canada. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we're yet to see what the results really are, uh, whether it's going to be of significant impact. But the really cool thing is that, man, dealers are really interested uh, in what that next medium is going to be. Uh, and there are quite a few. I mean, you, you know, to your original question, Spotify, I think, uh, you know, Waze is becoming uh, a really cool place to advertise. Uh, YouTube is becoming more popular than ever, uh, you know, whether it's in-stream or pre-roll advertising on YouTube. Uh, and especially once dealers and agencies equally uh, start figuring out how to, you know, take a, a long message that they're used to creating videos around and shortening it into six-second bumper ad yep. uh, or a 15-second video. Um, as people really start to understand the content uh, and the creative messaging as far as how to condense it and make it applicable to today's consumer and today's medias, I think that's where the newer mediums are really going to start to rise. They're going to start to take uh, a lot of the dealership's budget away if we're talking about uh, from an advertising perspective. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I'm a fan of YouTube. I don't know Facebook advertising well enough. Uh, Instagram, yeah, you know, the Instagram, Facebook, I kind of, I, I understand it. I'm big on Google and YouTube. And the thing about YouTube I like is you can almost, you can tell a story to a consumer. And so those who read the opening chapter, 
they it now opens the door to see chapters two, three, and four, and then the final chapter when you know you lead them down that path. And you know, you hear those words from Google of the right message at the right time to the right people, right? And that's essentially yep. what I think you do well with your clients is just you walk them down the path to go, you know, who are we targeting? And I know we've had conversations before and I get pretty animated uh, and I'm going to keep this PG 13 just for the sake of keeping it 13, but uh, I don't want <laughs> yeah, to swear. because I, I just get so, I get so amped up on it of like, you know, make sure you're advertising to the right audience because you have control over it versus right. here's my budget. Let's just plaster it. Right. Like, no, 18-year-olds right. don't buy Ferrari. Oh, they do, but yep. it's a very small percentage. So you yep. want to advertise to the right subgroup. And that's just one facet, you know, facet of, of advertising. But you know, you mentioned YouTube, Google, Facebook. So Instagram is another spot that, that uh, people are probably, you know, Facebook and Instagram are the same thing. Uh, how big are stories? I mean, I don't, do you think stories are useful for, you know, would, would an automotive story on your Facebook page, Instagram page? work do you think I, I think so I think so and look and, and one thing I really agree with you Brandon you just mentioned you know the 18 year old buying a Ferrari you know when I was 18 I, I, I wasn't thinking about buying a Ferrari um, I, I don't know any 18 year old that would buy a Ferrari uh, and I actually don't know any Ferrari dealerships that are that are uh, doing any advertising okay okay Lexus I was gonna I was gonna have you introduce me to the local Ferrari dealership yeah. I wouldn't mind having well, it's, him, uh, by uh, 407 the, and uh, Pine Valley. There you go. Of course, yeah. I got to head to Woodbridge. The, the, the spray and pray method, you know, of, of advertising, let's call it, um, it, it, is not something that's really effective. And I know you get very passionate about uh, targeting and making sure that your ad matches uh, who you want that ad to actually right. be shown to. Uh, and really, it, it's, it's kind of front-loading the advertising process. And uh, you know, my belief is holding your advertising agency accountable is extremely important, uh, you know, that they know this data, uh, make sure that they have this data as it relates to you, your brand, uh, the particular model, because, you know, I'm sure you're doing model based advertising as you should be, and not just doing awareness branding for your dealership. Yeah. Uh, but but really, um, you know, th there's, there's a few different things that are becoming really popular now. Uh, and, you know, as far as uh, Instagram and, and, you know, w what I would want dealers to focus on and what I advise dealers to focus on is, is, you know, making sure that they're really harnessing their organic first. Uh, and, and the reason for it is, you know, before stepping into the advertising world, especially when they're mediums that dealers don't really understand quite yet, when you have people who are uh, proactively subscribing, proactively following, um, you know, to your brand, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, uh, or even on your website's organic traffic. These are people who are coming to your website without any advertising every single month. That's the audience that you should be really curating a message for. Uh, so, so, you know, to the dealers who are really interested in doing Instagram, uh, my advice is yes, try stories. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, as a consumer, I know that stories work because, you know, the positioning of it within the Instagram app, it's the first thing that you see when you, when you open up Instagram. And yep. somehow it just sucks you in. And, you know, I, I don't know what the average usage time per consumer is on a daily basis for a tool like Instagram or Snapchat. But, you know, boy, people are spending lots of time on this medium. And if that's the first place they're going to and they're following you on their own merit yep. and you have a good opportunity to speak to this audience. I was just at a, at a Ford store yesterday in, in, uh, in the Stratford area, Stratford, Ontario, and they've done such a great job with their Instagram channel organically 
and they're using stories to promote their parts service uh, and mainly talk to people who have already interacted with their dealership. So take, taking their existing client base and showing them really cool stuff, you know, lift kits, level kits for Ford F-150s. Uh, this is the stuff rather that, that their, their user base wants to see. Right. Uh, and they're definitely using stories to make an impact on people who already know who they are or who may be following because you know, they're, they're close to making a buying decision or they're in market for a truck right now and they happen to live within that dealer's PMA. That's your opportunity to really get up, up close and personal with that, that customer. Yeah, and, and you, you kind of, you're going to leave me into my your, your segue here, but I, I do want to clarify about my, my passion on, you know, understanding who you're marketing to. You know, I always say this, you know, uh, a brand new pickup, whether it's the big three, so it's, you know, it's a GM, a Toyota, a Ford, a Chrysler, a Ram, a Sierra, whatever pickup truck you're talking about, very rarely does an 18 to 24 year old come in and buy a brand new truck. It does happen, but it's a low percentage. I'm saying focus yep. your, your, you know, if we're speaking Google language, right? Awareness, consideration, and action. Your action campaign should be towards the group that y- you want to take action. I'm not saying don't do an awareness campaign to an 18-year-old because you want that 18-year-old to grow up to be 34 and fit your bracket of action campaign. So it's understanding that, that kind of segment. Now, uh, you know, in that sense, let's move into a topic um, because my wife brings it up all the time. Not necessarily automotive, but... Uh, ethical remarketing <laughs> right hmm. right yeah. like my wife's gone on websites um to look for something and now she's in her facebook feed and all she sees is advertisements for said product right so <clears throat> is there a unwritten or a written code of ethics when it comes to remarketing uh using google or facebook Look, or what are your that's, a, that's a really that's a really good question so you know my thoughts are you know, as the, as the agency and, and having worked on the, the advertising agency side, uh, you know, working with implementation managers who, who would actually put these uh, ads into play, um, you know, what they're doing on their end is they're determining what the frequency should be. And it's based on a, a number of factors that, you know, could be the, the budget for that campaign, uh, you know, uh, how much we know of that dealer as far as, uh, you know, how, how important Google Display is to them. Um, but it, it, it's really important to set the right frequency. Uh, and, you know, is it an ethics issue? You know, yeah, it, it, it could be. What we don't want to do is, you know, for me as a marketer, I'd say we just don't want to piss somebody off. Right. Um, and we know that, we, you know, you know that yeah. you pass a certain point uh, where, you know, you know that that frequency is way too high on that ad. Um, and then the, on the other side of it is, you know, if they've, six impressions of that particular ad the same one uh, especially within a short amount of time uh, is it worthwhile uh, continuing uh, bombarding that user with that ad and I know that's that's thinking on a very granular level uh, but when these campaigns are being built out those are definitely things to consider um, you know as far as remarketing uh, it, you know and this is where it comes to comes down to, to data sets and you know what we're doing with some of our stores is we're really digging into the uh, in, into the um, analytics, or sorry, the the event tracking, and making sure that we're uh, speaking to an audience or segmenting the audience based on what they do or how far they go down the funnel of the dealership's website. Um, and and what I mean by that, one really quick practical example is, you know, a Ford store uh, that wants to make sure 
that they're uh, creating an audience based on people who get down to the VDP of S-150s or S-series trucks, and they might play with the payment calculator, open up the payment calculator, make their own numbers and adjustments, and come up with some sort of values. The fact is they're using the payment calculator, and they've spent a minimum amount of time on the VDP, let's call it 30 seconds or more. Once they hit those benchmarks, we want to take that person and put them into an audience group, uh, and then that's the person that we actually maybe uh, you know, ramp up the frequency of the remarketing right. towards. Uh, and, 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 you know, if we're doing it properly and again, not having a, um, a spray and pray approach uh, to remarketing, uh, you know, we can be super, super effective, but I think it really comes down to putting the marketing hat on and thinking yep. of creative ways where we can be a little bit more uh, high frequency with some audience groups, uh, but not doing that for everybody, you know, just because someone shows up on your website <laughs> right. uh, doesn't mean you need to follow them everywhere and, and give them eight, eight or nine impressions within That's a week. 18 year we've, all, we've all shopped for, uh, we've all shopped for lawnmowers and, you know, have been, uh, you know, you, you feel like you're getting uh, run over by that lawnmower online. Right. That's the 18 year old looking at the cool truck online and now being remarketed it's, it's, to and then decides to fill out a form and you know, whatever, right? Just there's, yeah. there's better ways to target your customers and all that. Um, oh, you just, I had a, I had a thought uh, in my brain when we were talking about um, uh, all this stuff. How, how many, you know, I, I always think, how many deals do you think fully understand the digital landscape? 10% understand you know, it. And the 90 have to partner with dealer allies, right? Cause they need someone to help out. <laughs> Absolutely, there's right. a plug. Right, right. You know, it, I, I really, I really think that that, and and you know, the, the term digital landscape is so broad. I mean, right. you know, there are there are dealers that have been managing their organic and their website so so damn well. Um, you know, over the past five, six, you know, even ten years, some of these dealers they they really saw the opportunity. Uh, you know, when their customers knowingly are going to their website first and going to everybody's website first before they walk into a dealership and all of a sudden foot traffic is down and it's like, well, holy crap, people are spending time on my website. You know, so for, as far as the digital landscape, there are dealers who are far along in their journey of understanding what their website and, and let's not forget brand marketplace as well. Some yep. dealers are doing a really great job marketing on third party websites. Uh, with their organic listings, meaning, you know, the, whether it's car pages, Kijiji, car gurus, yep. trader, um, some are managing it so effectively and they have been for a very long time because they've seen the results and they bought into it years ago. Uh, so the same goes for their website. As far as the digital advertising side of it, I do believe that even with uh, something like Google search that's been around for so long and you'd think that every dealer is doing it in, you know, I'd say a good 75% of all dealerships. Uh, you know, big, and that's considering really small stores. 75% um, of them are doing some form of Google search and have been consistently for a while. I still do think that there's a lack of understanding. Uh, there's a lack of understanding when it comes to what their strategy is, what their agency is really doing. Uh, you know, are they buying dealer branded terms in their own name? Uh, are they focused on their actual inventory campaigns? Uh, and, you know, what are the biggest keywords that are driving traffic to their website through Google Ads? These are questions that I, I really feel like a lot of dealers 
uh, and even marketing managers within the walls of dealerships have trouble answering on the fly. Uh, and that tells me that on the advertising side, you know, the digital journey uh, and the digital landscape is not quite, uh, you know, as understood as it, as it should be. Um, and especially when you compare, Brandon, I don't mean to go in this direction, but, you know, when you compare uh, dealers in Canada to, let's say, U.S. counterparts, uh, in the U.S., there's been an adoption of all things uh, advertising uh, and digital uh, for car dealers. You know, they, they, they seem to be all over it. Um, whereas the Canadian dealers are still in that in that you know real learning uh, learning stage of mediums that have been around for even five ten years. Yeah, and um, you know, I lost my train of thought because you're talking about so much stuff, man. You're kill you're killing. I know, man. I just I just jammed it in. I'm sorry. What were we just talking? What were you, what was the last uh, dealers understanding? Oh yeah, the fact that for me it's I go to Academy for ads all the time and it's always changing the Google Google Analytics. Uh, individual qualification, the geek, it's changed. And like, I've, it, mine's up for expiry in March, uh, a, uh, April, yet the test yep. has already changed. So the fact, you know, I, I talk about this of like, how much does the dealer understand? Um, it's not a concrete road. It's like, a, a, it's a body of water that's always in motion and it's always evolving and shaping to, you know, the landscape, so to speak, if I can, if I can use an analogy. And so um, moving to my next question here, I was, I was going to ask, but I think you answered it you know, dealerships and their own websites, do they, do they seem to forget about their own website and mainly focus on advertising or are they really good with their website and a little standoffish with advertising because there's a lack of understanding? Well, look, I think you just identified the two most common types of dealers right there. There's, there's, there's the ones that really do understand their, their website and they're standoffish about the digital advertising. And I've, I've come across and I work with a few of those dealerships. Uh, and they really believe in harnessing their website organic uh, and people who come to their website. You know, if, if the average Ford store, and I keep referencing Ford stores because, you know, I work with Ford stores, uh, you know, if, if the average dealer is getting 7K visits uh, or 7K unique visitors to their website a month, that is 7,000 uh, captive people yep. um, to talk to. Now, has every dealership really maximized their process as far as uh, pictures, photos, pricing, merchandising, descriptions of new and used inventory? And the answer is- No, uh, I no, know the not answer, a, not no. A, you know the answer, yeah. And you've, you've, worked, you've worked in the industry and yeah. you know it. Like, yeah. The answer is no, they haven't hit that point. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you where the focus is. The focus is either on the website purely uh, 100% for a lot of dealers or you know, they're, they're, they're doing 75% website, 25% digital advertising. And most of the digital advertising, you know, is 65 to 75% Google, Google search. Uh, and that's really where they think it's going to be. So I think with most dealers, a lot of dealers are in a position where, you know, they're, they're not spending or maximizing the amount of effort and energy they're putting into their organic channels, yeah. website, uh, Facebook, marketplace stuff that stuff that doesn't require advertising uh or stuff that can work on its own without advertising so would that be, um, would that be like that, a, go ahead go ahead go ahead no and i think sorry just to finish my thought i think that uh you know dealers look to the google advertising they look to doing ppc and search to get them the incremental leads and the incremental deals uh and and they're always relying on 
that being the solution, especially when they have a down month uh, or when they have a, you know, a month that, that might be a bit tougher, they go straight to the advertising thinking that's going to give them that difference or that's going to give them that lift uh, when sometimes it's right in front of their nose, it's, it's, it's the organic. So, you know, I won't necessarily pick a side of, of, of you know, uh, who, who I, I favor or who I agree with. Both of those two dealers are, 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 are kind of right in their own minds. I'd say focus 100% on your website fundamentally before you go into, to, you know, some serious advertising mediums. But again, it's really dictated, and you know this, Brandon, it's dictated by where you are, you know, what you're selling, uh, what time of the year it is. There's a whole bunch of different factors that can determine what, you know, what A, your right marketing mix is for your dealership. Um, you know, as well as how much advertising you need to be doing and where you need to be doing it. It's all about content, my friend. That leads me right, right into the biggest question or the biggest thing I'll call pet peeve here for me. It's the lack of content, right? The lack of, you know, let's, let's, let's put the, let's put the purchaser's hat on and let's, uh, you know, my favorite thing is, um, Hey Brandon, we got to send an email blast out. It's, you know, we had the rough month. And so we're going to email it to everybody. Well, what's okay. Where, where are we going to send it to the, Oh, just send it to www.dealership.com. I'm like, really <laughs> the homepage? Like, what? Yeah. And then, you know, conversely, and I know this is something that, that you definitely coach and train with your, your dealerships is, you know, if you're going to go through the steps of creating a marketing campaign, you might as well build it right. So you can track it in analytics, right? Like, you, right. you got to be able to track that stuff. And so that brings me to content, right? And if you don't have the content on the page, you know, you can have, you can have the best search strategy, but if you don't have the content on the page, when the customer lands, you know, they're gone. And I, I don't want to talk about bounce rate because bounce rate is subjective, but you know, if you send someone, uh, you know, if you send someone to, to a particular Ford product to a landing page that has multiple Ford products, not the one in particular they're on, they're gone, right? Because the content's not there. So content, important, correct? Content is, is super important. And it's also, you, you know, it, there's two ways to look at it. You know, if I call it low hanging fruit, that implies that the dealership has a process or they have a person in place that can actually go and write that content. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times uh, it isn't. So there, there's, there's, or they don't have that. And there's two things or two ways we need to look at it. There's content from a written perspective. Uh, you know, we didn't really talk about blogs. Yep. Um, you know, I, I know that we could head down that path. I think that blogs are so important for dealers. Um, it, you know, it, it, imagine this, uh, you know, if, if you're talking to a customer base or, or people who are either interested in your product, that's why they're on your website and you have good content around your product. That's not just, here's the vehicle, here's the price, here are the rebates. If you're talking about, you know, from the lens of a consumer, why this vehicle is important or why the four wheel yep. drive is, is so great on this particular truck or, or, you know, check out this lift kit or the aftermarket accessories that you can get for it. Um, you, you know, that is not only good for SEO content um, and for your website organically, it's so good just for your customer experience. And I think you know, we need to think from the lens of, of the customer and the consumer and what they'd be doing on the website. You know, yeah. the other thing is, you know, you mentioned tracking and tracking is super important uh, and tracking using UTM in Google Analytics, which Google Analytics should be your source of truth is super, super important. You know, when it comes to content as well, it's even outside of your website, man. And it's, it's so funny when we're talking to some of our dealers, 
you know, if we introduce Google My Business uh, as a place that a dealer can uh, actually put content that will generate uh, leads or traffic to their website, a lot of times they're scratching their head because they don't know how to use it. Uh, and when we show them how to use Google My Business posts, um, that you know they, they can put an offer uh, within a minute. They can have an offer, or, or they can have uh, you know a blog style blurb or content up on Google My Business, which will generate you know on average for dealers. I've seen it correctly UTM tracked uh, within analytics. I've seen it generate 600, 700 uh, you know website visits and right. quality website visits uh, you know back to their their dealer site. Like this is stuff that's that's all based on sort of practice and ritual uh, that's sitting right under their nose that they don't require a dime uh, in advertising to actually see results from, um, and they should be doing it. So content in two different ways, Brandon. It's the content that you're writing, the content that you're you're saying about your dealership and your vehicles and your offers, stuff that's relevant to someone that's closer to the buying decision, uh, you know, bottom of the funnel type of customer. But it's also content as far as when you are advertising and when your agency is spending your money on Google Display and Facebook and YouTube and search, what does your content or what does your creative message uh, look like? What is your USP for your dealership? Yep. What's different? What are you saying to that customer? Uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think it, with, with television in particular, if you look at TV as a medium, that's a place where if you're running a TV ad because it's so goddamn expensive, you are polishing your content. You're making sure it's perfect. You're yep. making sure it's relevant and you're making sure it is amazing. Now, why would it be any different when you have tens of thousands of people that will be seeing your digital ad online? Content is king. It yep. always has been. It always will be in my opinion. Um, USP real quick, unique selling proposition. What proposition. Are okay. That's right. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was value selling. I thought it was a V, but it's a U. Um, so we were talking there about content. We're talking about analytics and this brought me to a thought that you and I talked about a, a few weeks ago, which you should have mentioned and what's on its way out and what's on its way in. Um, and my belief, maybe you don't share the same belief. Um, I think form fills are moving away and engagement data is moving in, right? Cause I don't think it's yeah. all about the form fill anymore. It's about the, um, you set your marketing campaign up, you, you UTM it, you track it properly and you execute it. And now you can see how, you know, Amar, the customer came on the website, checked it out, visited this many pages, stayed this long, clicked here, clicked there, did all this extra stuff, but didn't fill out a form. It, now, and some dealers, and you and I know a whole bunch of dealers that would say, well, we didn't get the form filled, the campaign didn't work, right? But they spent 42 right. minutes on average on your website. I think that's a right. win, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot of time on a website. How much time, how much time did you spend when you're buying your car on that dealer's website? I didn't spend 42 minutes, but if, if they're getting to that point, yeah. there's so many other, there's so many other uh, benchmarks to use other than, you form know, fill. the goal conversion being based on form fill. And, yeah. you know, Google tells us this and Google has been uh, saying this for, you know, the last few years is that, um, you know, the number of form submissions are definitely going down in our industry. They're not going up. Um, and, and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, people protecting their personal information. And it yeah. also has to do with the consumer's expectation to get all the information 
that they need online without having to fill out a form to get more info. Right. Uh, so so it, it leads me to another thought, Brandon, which is, you know, if the consumer has that expectation, no matter where they are, to get all the information they need on a business's website, whether it's a dealer or it's Amazon or it's anybody for that matter, if they're not getting the information from your dealer's website, does that leave you uh, you know, open or does that leave the customer with the opportunity to go to another uh, dealer's website where they could get all of that information? And because that dealer is not necessarily optimizing everything to be fill out a form, fill out right. a form, Mr. Customer, please fill out a form and we'll get you your information. Yeah. <laughs> if they're giving you the, if they're giving the consumer the information they need at that moment in their car buying journey, that dealership is going to win. And that in itself, before we're talking about any advertising uh, or any competitive tactics that we'd be doing through advertising, that in itself, in my belief, is the definition of conquesting right there. Right. You're getting the engagement, getting the engagement from the customer as far as giving them the information they need. I think that's going to increase tenfold the number of form fills you get. But right now, you go on a website, you can't get all the info, and you're forced to submit a form to provide details, and nobody does it anymore. Yeah, and, 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 and really, people are filling out less forms, and, and you know, the, the bottom line is they don't want to give out their information, um, and, and they, they, they just don't want to. And they'd rather uh, you know, potentially pick up a phone. Uh, and, and, you know, give a dealership a call. And a lot of times they might not want to do that either. Right. Um, so, so the real, the real, the real measurable is engagement and Google analytics, of course, as long as everything is set up properly, uh, from a tracking perspective, um, Google analytics gives a dealership so much insight as far as what those other benchmarks are. They're spending five minutes on my website. They've looked at seven pieces of inventory. Uh, you know, and, and, or in your case, they've been on the website for 45 minutes. Uh, right. That's a good engagement. That's yeah. a good engagement. Yeah. I always look at, you know, you know, back to another thought we were talking about instant information. I was like, we're the age of Google, right? Um, you know, and, you know, content and remarketing, a couple experiences for me were, you know, I found a, uh, a gimbal. It's a, thing for your phone to take whatever videos that don't move around anyway marketing if it wasn't for remarketing and you know a company i'm assuming the company said if a customer you know if someone visits this website we're going to serve them this ad right because you, you can do that right and so i end up finding on a few occasions it was the, the 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 marketing in my facebook feeds or in my google search the display campaigns and whatnot it was actually those advertisements that got me searching deeper and deeper until i found the right product so you know back to that ethics question i had it written down here um, i mean there's some ethical things you can do um and and it's cost effective and you know just yeah age of google man you, you want something you search you google it and you get instant information dealerships need to do that and i think that's what's going to get uh, a form fill now speaking of form fills do you see an incline in text us for, for more info and a, an actual success with that sort of functionality well i you know i, I think i think uh you know it, it's based on sort of the execution of it um when dealers just you know replace a button that they would have on a vdp with a hey text us uh button it doesn't quite work out um, I, I think I think on the front end of the process, when someone is shopping for 
uh, a new vehicle or a used vehicle. Uh, the, the text conversion uh, is not working out as well as a dealer would like for it to. Uh, but I think where text really shines, and, and you'd know this with your BDC experience, is once you've gotten in touch with that customer uh, and, and once you've added them to your pipeline um, uh, of either new sale, uh, potential prospects, you know, they, they've made contact with you, they, they've, booked, they've booked in for a test drive and you know they're coming to the dealership in a few days, or they're already part of that customer, sorry, that dealership's data database uh, and they're a service customer. And we're using text to really engage with that customer, uh, or, you know, or, you know, they purchased a year ago and we're using text to follow up, um, you know, on their, 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 uh, their experience with that vehicle. I think that's where text is uh, becoming really important. Uh, and it, it, it comes down to, you know, how consumers act and how consumers want to communicate. Uh, and they really, they, they want to use text. And this is what people are doing. People are texting all the time. That's how they want to get in touch. I mean, you know, Brandon, have you ever gotten a phone call and he thought, why isn't this person just texting me? Like, why don't they just text me? You and all the time, you, know? you and I, we never call each other text. I mean, don't get me wrong. I text, well, and I'm like, hey, can I give you a call? Because it's going to be longer than a text, longer than 280 characters, yeah. right? But totally. It, yeah. I, I love that form of communication. Um, and speaking of the BDC stuff, one of my favorite templates I had created uh, was um, directions to our dealership. And when you clicked on the link, it actually went straight to Google Maps with our location in the where. And all you had to do was, it, it was usually default to my location because that's what your settings were. And there it is yep. right there on your phone. You click a button and away you go. Rather than saying, awesome. hey, we're at this address, this city, still click on it and it opens up. Just that sort of ease. But, you know, text is like 24-7. You know, you can't call someone after 6 p.m. They're having dinner. You can text them. Exactly. I, I've done this podcast and answered a text already, right? Like that's the, the <laughs> I haven't, but that's the, that's the analogy, right? Like text is so powerful. And I think, you know, not necessarily part of the digital, but it could be based on, you know, your advertised text for more info. But yeah, once it's in that process where you've got that engaged customer interacting with you, I think text, text is massive. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it's, it's text right now. Um, but what's it going to be two years from now, Brandon? And, it's going to be, and, I'll tell you what it's going to be. Alexa, what's it going to be? Alexa voice, voice AI at yeah. home. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The fact that I can go to Google right now, or I can search, I can Google. I've done this before. I came uh, in Google within Google. Um, I wish I had had on my computer right now. Do I have it saved as a link? There is a Google section, marketing tools, Advertiser, test mobile website. There's a uh, a section where you can learn to write your own Amazon Alexa, Google, whatever, whatever they are, uh, your own voice uh, application, right? So, Very cool. I, so think about it. Uh, hey, I'll just use Alexa. We're not advertising for Amazon, but um, I buy from Amazon. So there you go. They've got enough of my money. Uh, you know, hey, Alexa, book me an oil change at dealership X. One second, please. There are openings next week on Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you prefer morning or afternoon? Afternoon. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't have to go to the website. They don't have to do anything. That, I, I guarantee, I hope in the next five years, I can do that. It, that, I, that is, I, I can't agree with you more. That, right? That's the future, man. That, that's, it, and that's ridiculous. It, it's more of a, <laughs> right? it's, like, it is ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous to say the least. It is. 
it is uh, a digital AI integration just right into your life, like right. a, a, a lifestyle integration where you need something and that's how you're going to get it. You don't even have to uh, go to a website or search for something. So um, I, and, and yeah, wondering how many dealers would be, would be ready for that. See, and um, I think, I, you know, their process. well, if they had an ally plug, um, you know, <laughs> but honestly, you right, like those are the things where, you know, I look at things like a dealer is so entrenched in their business that, you know, they absolutely need an ally. They need an MR. They need somebody to coach them on the what, what's next or inform them, right? Someone who's in the now and in the know and, and knows what's going on because, you know, they're worried about servicing vehicles and selling cars. Advertising is a piece of it and they are worried about it, but they've got so much, th so many things in their plate that it's always nice to have an ally. Now, uh, speaking of which, guy, I should be writing these questions down. Um, man, this is going to drive me insane. We were just talking about, we were talking about, uh, AI search. Oh man, you're killing me, Amar. Oh, well, Brandon, you oh. keep giving, you keep giving me the, the ally plug. I, listen, it, it is. I'm telling, I mean, you and I spoke about it and, and we had that, that lunch that day and it's like, you know, it makes sense. You know, I've been in the dealership space and I've seen sales trainers. I've seen this, I've seen that. Um, not often, you know, and it's not just for the dealership, you know, there's, there's big groups who have directors who are probably, you know, are in the know, but they're, they're so inundated with work that it's going to be nice. But I think a smaller dealers, average size groups, yeah, hands down. Uh, they need someone like you now, um, real quick, Amazon. Oh man, I lost my train of thought. You say something else, Amar, so I can remember what I was going to talk about. Gosh, did I kill? Darn. Did I kill your train of thought again? You killed it. Oh, we were talking about. <laughs> oh, here it is. Okay, I wrote down age. How old are you? If you mind me asking, I'm 43. I'm 42, almost 43. How old are you? I am 32 years old, Brandon. Okay, so do you remember before the internet? Um, I, you know what? I, and it's so weird that you asked that because I was, I was just watching a, a, a video clip of Mariah, Quick, Mariah Carey, uh, her fantasy video. And I don't know why I remember this because in 1994, my dad bought uh, a Pentium one computer and it had <laughs> windows 95 on it. And it came with, it came with a Mariah Carey CD that you put in and it would take forever. Actually, sorry, it was an AOL 20, 30 minute disc. You got 30 minutes of internet usage. Um, and it was a 14.4K modem at the time. And I'd dial up and the first thing that I searched or I wanted to watch was the Mariah Carey fantasy video. I don't know why, don't judge me. It, it's just what I did. It's just what I did. But yes, uh, you know, I, do I remember before the internet? Yeah, you know, I, I remember what it was like before the internet. Right. You know, uh, I was in much better shape as a kid. I used to roller skate. I used to rollerblade. Um, I played a lot of street hockey. And yep. I still did, you know, with the internet because the internet was so slow when I was a kid. Yep. Uh, but then when I got older uh, and Napster came around uh, and, you know, I, I can't could sit around and download music. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and that's when... Bit torrents and LimeWire and, and uh, Kazaa, if you remember Kazaa. Yep. Really, yep. To, to answer your question in short, yeah, I've seen the evolution of the internet, but yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was relatively young when the internet wasn't around, uh, but I do remember. I do remember. Yeah, and I think, so I'm, I'm 10 years older, and so I, you know, I got my first, uh, I had a Nintendo original version in like 1990. I bought it off my neighbor for like 100 bucks. 
um, and would play like, uh, I think it was Mario or Michael Andretti's uh, Indy Racing or F1 Racing. And it was so, it's just brutal. Yeah, compared Mario to Andretti. Yeah. Right. But, but some, it's, it's amazing that, you know, I, the reason I bring that up and, and I was going to ask you a question, you know, um, I, you know, I think having an understanding of what it was like before to now, I mean, if you think of someone who's 20, they, they've grown up with a cell phone in their hand, basically. Right. Almost. Yeah. And so understanding sort Pretty of much. having a decent understanding of what did dealers do before versus what do they do now? You know, you know, the, the main thought is you got to move faster because in the past they move slower. It was all, you know, newspaper, everyone comes in Saturday. Now it's like you could pop up a dealership in town and have a really good digital strategy and outperform the local dealer. That's how effective I think the internet is. So it's always, you know, I just asked that question to say, you know, you know, do people, you know, I hope people understand what it was like before and what it is now. And it's almost like we got it good uh, and bad because a lot, you, you said it, you rollerbladed, you were in a lot better shape because a lot of people spend all of their time uh, in front of a computer. So um, real quick, do you have any- actually Brandon? Oh, I am yeah. in, I am in better shape now. Uh, oh, I, you're I better shape actually. now. I thought you were in better shape then. I, I am. Yeah. No, I, I. That's what I said, but I think uh, I did it more for uh, effect. Okay. But really, I, I'm totally in better shape right now. You should see. You should. You should see the pull-up bar that I. I have pull-up bars everywhere, man. I'm just doing pull-ups <laughs> all day. That's wicked. Um, what are some of your pet peeves when it comes to the digital? Um, I more like, uh, what is you know? Give me a couple to do's and a couple to don'ts. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's just my funny way of saying to do's or give me some do's and don'ts. Well, do's when it comes to digital, I think, I think the number one do is uh, establish a process, um, that, you know, because every month uh, is different and dealers are, are used to going into sort of a reactionary mode. Uh, you know, they're really concerned with closing off their month. Uh, and making sure that they're really impactful. And it's February 27th today, and tomorrow's the last day of the month. So, you know, what do you think they're focused on? Uh, they're focused on closing closing the hell out of February and having the best month possible and, and desking those deals. Um, you know, but they're not really thinking about March. Right. Uh, and they might not think about March until they've gotten through month end, which will take them to, you know, the second week of March yep. uh, in some dealers' cases. So, you know, having a process ensures that if there is a, a digital strategy meeting, and this is really part of what, what Dealer Allies does, um, you know, we make sure that we are part of, uh, and dealers are participating, at least key stakeholders who can make some digital decisions, are participating in the, dealer, the, the digital strategy meetings in the beginning of the month. And it has to happen like clockwork, uh, meaning every single month it happens at the same time uh, you know, reviewing the vendor reports happens at the same time and making critical decisions on digital advertising, whether it's before the month starts or right when the month starts. Uh, it's all based on process, man. Uh, and then what are we doing in the second week? What are we doing in the third week? And one thing that we really like to do and I love doing is user experience and website audits. We want to go through the website and really see it from the customer's perspective and then document what uh, our our experience has been so that we can focus on process improvements and making the website better with our website vendor who of course uh, you know when you're looking at your website vendor they are in fact a business partner of yours yep. your digital agency is a business partner of yours so you know th that's my biggest do um, you know and I spoke a lot about that I, I can probably leave it at that okay. I, I think one of my don'ts is 
let's let's keep it simple and don't neglect the process that I just talked about. Right. I was just gonna say <laughs> <laughs> this sounds it's, like a do and a don't all in one. <laughs> it is. It's it's a it's a double edged sword because as you know, Brandon, like you know, a dealer can you know live by their process, die by their process. Yep. You know, you know, if there is no process in place, uh, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, I'm not a huge investor uh, financially. I I don't really invest a lot. Um, You know, I've had RRSPs and mutual funds and, um, you know, but I I, I wouldn't consider myself an active investor, although I've always wanted to be. Um, But, you know, someone who is an investor had told me that by me making a decision to not be an active investor, I've made a decision in investing. That is my decision in investing. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first question was, Amar, have you made any decisions in investing? And I thought, no, I haven't because I'm not really doing that. And he said, well, that's your decision on investing because mm. it's one of those things where whether you like it or not, you're participating in it. Yeah. Uh, and and your, your digital strategy, whether you like it or not, you're participating in it. Uh, so, so my advice to dealers is make sure that you have a process in place. And there's a few other don'ts, Brandon, okay. as you know, working, uh, having worked in the field in the industry, uh, you know, there's a lot of don'ts, um, you, you know, uh, don't micromanage, yep. uh, you know, when you have particular uh, staff that you want to, uh, you know, be the champion for digital marketing or any form of advertising in your store, uh, you want to help them, you want to support them. Uh, but you don't necessarily want to micromanage them and make them feel like you're breathing over their neck as a yep. dealer principal or a general manager. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Those are the, those are the main ones for me. Okay. I'm going to add one piece to your dues of process. Um, do execute the process and don't not yep. execute the process. The process could be great if you're not executing on it. I agree. Great. How, how many times, and this is a question, question for you. How many times have you seen, uh, a great process put into place uh, for one month and then it completely does not get executed on ever again. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about that's it. That's a personal one. I don't want to yeah. talk about it. Um, uh, another, uh, another do and don't uh, a big do for me. Uh, and this is a, this is a Brian Pash, uh, a Brian Pashism, if I can say that uh, Glenn and Brian Pash of PCG it's um yep your online presence needs to be offline as well. And so, you know, we did that at a couple of dealers where your online messaging uh, campaigns this month were A, B, and C. Well, we had an exact copy of A, B, C on the walls in the dealership. So it, 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 it's consistent for the user from a display ad to our website, to our showroom, to what the staff are talking about. It's a very consistent message. And so that's a, that's a huge do for me. Would you agree? Love it. Okay. Love it. So, Couldn't so agree more. we're going to get into the rapid fire. We're going to wrap this up. Um, it's getting late. I think I hear a kid upstairs, but I do want to do a shout out. It's more of a thank you. It's more of an inside joke. Uh, I hope you giggle at it. I do want to say thank you to your fiance, Cindy, for letting you do this podcast. It is late. Um, and I hope <laughs> this is to it this far in because all I have to say to her is thank you. I'm Brandon and I'm Canadian. So we're going to get... <laughs> <laughs> right you got it. all right okay I, love three, it. So I get it three I, I you it. totally get it three of us get it and that's it and everyone else can ask questions later um amar thank you for being on the show i really appreciate it um i i, I enjoy spending time with you and learning and i i think before we get into rapid or fire i will say this um you know 
you were my ally when you worked at at uh, sorry dealer socket uh, lead box and uh, i think you are probably one of three people that uh inadvertently without doing so maybe i don't know if you meant to or not you pushed me in a way that got me uh, excited about digital i did my my gig all on my own i went to you know youtube uh, seminars, I, I kind of dove in and really tried to understand what was going on and then what you could do and what the possibilities were. So um, I'm going to say thank you to that. Uh, and you can say you're welcome. You're totally welcome, man. I'm speechless. That means a lot. Dude. And, yeah. And it's, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you've had, you've had an impact uh, on me as well. Not to make this a, a big love fest, but <laughs> Uh, really, What's a I think, you know, it, it is, you called it a bromance and, and I'll, I'll call it a bromance too, man. It's, it's you, you, you know, from the BDC perspective and yeah. from your, your, you being able to adopt things and, and learn things on your own really quickly. And there's a lot that uh, you taught me as well. Um, you know, it, it's really impressive. Uh, and this podcast is awesome. I, I love this. I love the format. Uh, I love what you're going to bring to, to your, your listeners and your viewers. Uh, I think it's totally cool. It's Wicked. awesome. Yeah, I've got a thank you. I appreciate that. And um, I've got uh, a list of people and, and I'm going to try to mainly stick in the automotive space. We might branch out every once in a while. Um, so without further ado, this is honestly um, my favorite part of the show. It's called Rapid Fire. I just ask you uh, questions like yes or no, uh, this or that. And uh, you got to answer as quickly as possible without thinking too hard about it, except for uh, maybe one or two of them. So are you ready for rapid fire? Wow. <laughs> I love this part. Wow. Okay. I'm ready. Let's okay. go. So question num. Uh, question num. Question number question one. Num. Favorite color? Uh, blue. Favorite meal? I'm Indian, man. So curry chicken and rice all yes. day, every day. Uh, curry chicken and rice. I'm, I'm just, I want to make sure I, I, uh, I write these down. Um, sign, okay. So we're going to pause on question two. Chicken, uh, curry chicken and rice. Does Cindy make a good curry chicken and rice? No, she does not. And oh no, she's listening. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay she she doesn't she doesn't but she makes she makes other things which are extremely delicious but i gotta go i gotta go to mom's house for the curry chicken right so i know she's a good cook that's the reason i brought that up okay question three favorite movie yeah that's it that's it i'm a i'm a car nut so i can watch gone in 60 seconds over and over and over again gone in 60 seconds okay uh question four coke or pepsi uh coke I asked that question to someone like, I don't drink either. I'm like, well, okay. Sprite or seven up like, geez. <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Uh, white. I was going to make an Indian uh, stereotype, but I'm not going to. Uh, Go ahead. I love those. <laughs> I was going to say like white nan bread or brown nan bread. Is nan bread even Indian? <laughs> is it, yeah, is it, it, is, it is Indian. Okay. Yeah, so white nan bread or brown nan bread? Uh, Whole wheat or white bread? I'm not. I'm on my health thing, so I'll say I'll say uh, brown nan bread or whole wheat whole wheat bread. Okay, so but you used to eat white bread. Is that what you're saying before you were healthy? I used to. I was a little pudgy okay. back in the day. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite season of the year: spring, summer, winter, fall. Okay. Fall. Right. I love fall. Okay. Um, do you have? Did you have? And do you still have a MySpace account? 
I did have a MySpace account. Um, I did. It was it was the cool thing to have. Do yep. I have it currently? I don't even know where I'd find it. Is MySpace still around? I have no. Yes, it is because my wife has one. Um, she's wow. a, she's a singer, so you can go find her on it. Um, I'm gonna it's come. Got, to yeah. This question here. Okay, so do you remember ICQ? Uh, I do. Yes. Uh, I do. Do you remember your number? <laughs> Probably oh not. Oh my God! No, no, not at all. Not okay. at all. So here, the the next three you might have to think. This one you're gonna hate me for. Uh, you've taken over a dealership and you have to choose one to start off with Google platform or Facebook platform. Uh, right now, Facebook. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, do you love to win or hate to lose? Which one do you love to win more or do you love to, or do you hate to lose more? I love to win. I hate to lose if you're if you want to ask me. You hate uh, to lose? I he, hate losing. He, I, I think it's I, I think like it's the connotation of it. Yeah, winning know, is okay for I'm, me. Winning for me isn't everything. I just don't want to lose. Totally. Right. And so I totally it's it it I asked that question. Uh there's a psychologist uh friend that uh brought that up in a conversation about um managing your people understanding yeah. which of your staff love to win and which your staff hate to lose it's it, it that's where you um it's how many objectives or things you you put on their plate the guy that loves or the girl that hmm. loves to win you you could jack it to 20 the person that hates to lose you want to put it at 10 or 11 because you know they probably can make it but if you give them 20 they'll give up at two because they know they can't get there Right, but they won't lose a 10. Interesting. Right, so, okay. Um, and this is another favorite of mine because uh, it, it doesn't have to relate to digital. Um, like, uh, so I'll ask you the question. I'll tell you what I am at the end. So what are you obsessed with right now? I'm, I'm always obsessed with cars and, and coming, coming off of uh, auto show season, you know, it, it, it validates my obsession. And that's why I'm in this business. It's, I live and breathe cars. That's awesome. I am obsessed with human psychology, believe it or not. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, dude, I'm reading this book called The Hacking of the American Mind. It talks about dopamine and serotonin, sorry, and how uh, oh, yeah. cor just corporations have, they understand how the, you know, it's different between happiness, being truly happy and having pleasure, right? Pleasure is dopamine and happy is serotonin. And serotonin, I'm saying that right? Anyway. Yeah. There's just a big difference, right? And they, they can, they've hacked into, let's get a surge of dopamine. It makes you feel happy, but you're not. It's just pleasure, right? So it just talks about it. So it's kind of, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's cool. It's crazy. It's random stuff like that. Okay, wow. last question. I just made it up on the spot. Yep. Favorite superhero? Superman. Okay. All right. That is all the questions I have. Uh, listen. I appreciate you being on the first podcast. The asterisk is because I did five of them back in August, September. It was video format, translated it to audio. It didn't go according to plan. So I really want to hit this hard in 2019 and uh, do as many as I possibly can. You know, the goal is at least one a month, two a month uh, is probably my goal out of the gate. But uh, I, I really, I, again, thank you for taking the time. It's been an hour and a bit on a, on a weeknight and you've got a, a fiance probably sitting in the background, rolling her eyes at you going, you almost done. I'm just kidding. So, um, she's, Amar. she's super cool. And okay. I'm super lucky. And this, this format, 
this format, Brandon, is awesome. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on the show. And you have a subscriber uh, for life. I will be paying close attention. Uh, and we are consulting Wednesdays. Awesome. Love it. Okay, wicked. So yeah, this podcast, so we are Wednesday right now uh, today. It probably won't go up till this coming Wednesday, the 1st of March, uh, whatever that is, March 4th, 5th, uh, March 6th, probably going to go. I got to edit it and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. And we will chat soon. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good night. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another edition of Spotlight Interview. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you soon. <laughs>